Luke chapter number 15. I tell you, it's a joy to have my grandchildren and great-grandchildren in church, but I don't have them all in. So I've still got prayers that they'll come in. Say amen. I know you've got loved ones that you want to see come in. Luke 15, let's start, if you will, in, and let's read in verse number 25. Luke 15 and 25, Word of God said, Now his elder son was in the field, and as he came and drew nigh to the house, he heard music and dancing. And he called one of the servants and asked what these things meant. He said unto him, Thy brother is come, and thy father hath killed a fatted calf, because he hath received him safe and sound. He was angry, oh my, and would not go in. Therefore came his father out and entreated him. He answered and said to his father, Lo, these many years do I serve thee, neither transgress I at any time thy commandment, yet thou never gavest me a kid, that I might make merry with my friends. But as soon as this thy son was come, which hath devoured thy living with harlots, thou hast killed for him the fatted calf. And he said unto him, Son, thou art ever with me, and all that I have is thine. Boy, that ought to stick in your crawl. And it was meant that we should make merry and be glad, for this thy brother was dead and is alive again and was lost and is found. That's powerful words, isn't it? Brother Howard Revis, would you do the honor and bless the reading? Yes, Father. Yes, God. Amen. May be seated. Now with the Lord's help, let me speak to us and run back over, if you will, quickly what we've already preached on out of Luke here about the younger son. You remember I told you that he was discontented before he ever left. He wasn't liking the rules Daddy had. He wasn't liking what Daddy had set up. So he asked Daddy for what was his, and he took it and he left. Then we saw that he gathered himself to another country. We see that he was hungry. We saw that he was down in the hog pen. Then he began to come to himself, the Word of God said. I'll tell you one thing. If being in the hog pen don't bring you back to your mind, something wrong with your mind. There's got to be anything better, got to be better than a hog pen. Has anybody ever had to clean a hog pen out besides me? (laughs) I tell you, that's one of the toughest jobs you'll ever have. One thing that young man thought when he had all that daddy had given him, he didn't realize that one day it'll run out. 
And when it ran out, so did his friends that helped abuse it and use it, devour it. That boy didn't waste it all on his own. He had a lot of people helping, as you and I have. But thank God he did come to himself down there in the hog pen and, and repented, if you will, down at the hog pen. But did you remember he had to wait till it was all gone? It was all gone. Had to lower his standards. <laughs> you know, I've often thought about, I wish I could remember the name. He was a Greek, a Jew, came to this country and he didn't know any English but green bean. That was the only word he knew in English. And he got a job of washing dishes and he ate green beans three times a day because that's all he could say. God blessed him. He found Jesus here in America, right here in South Carolina, folks. This ain't another country. And he began to learn English. He found the Lord in salvation. God began to bless him. And he bought the place where he was working. He started out when he first got saved. He was giving God like $10, whatever it was that he made. He gave God his percentage. God blessed that business. He opened up another one. He opened up another one. And he opened up another one. Got to the point where his tithes was $5,000 a week. And he said, I can't afford to do that. So he quit paying his tithes. He's back of washing dishes within two years. Why? See, he had to go to the bottom before he found out. That's what happened to this young man. He had to get down to the bottom. Lord, his standards, I, I, I wonder it. If that old boy's still alive today, now I heard this story and his name when I first got saved in 1987, so he may done went on with his journey to eternity. I don't know. But I'm sure when he got back down to where he is washing dishes, he wished he'd give God what was his. This boy is down the hog pen. He finally realized, you know, Daddy wasn't so bad. Daddy's rules wasn't so bad. At least it didn't stink. Can you see these guys dressed to the nines, as you say? And all of a sudden, he's smelling like a hog. Woo! Don't you know that Lord, his standards, heard his ego heart that he had. <laughs> you know people that think they're better than others? Oh, yeah, this boy was one of them. Yeah, but down there when he got so bad, he realized that anything's better than what he had now. So he's willing to go back and be a servant at daddy's house. If he'd have been that servant before he ever left, he wouldn't smell like a hog. Say amen. <laughs> you know, isn't it funny that when we get to the point in our life where we realize that we're about to perish, now, let's, let's deal right there right quickly. He realized he was so hungry, he was dying. How hungry you have to get before you realize, if 
if I don't get something to eat, I'm going to die. I'm perishing. I'm withering away. And at daddy's house, the servants has got plenty of bread and bread to spare. Here I am smelling like a hog. Almost ready to eat the husk. That's hungry, folks. But he finally decided to take a journey back to the father's house and repent and, and go tell his daddy that he had sinned. Thank God he did. But now you remember the point of the, of the whole message was it can never be the same. You remember that? And if it was the same, then he'd be the, still discontented. But now he's went back to the father's house and he's realized being at the father's house is a lot better than being in a hog pen. Uh, you know God's will being done is a whole lot better than your will being done. So he realized that and he made his way back. You see that the father, and I, we were talking about this earlier. Brother Scotty was and Kelly and I. That father saw him afar off. Tells me the father was looking for him the, the whole time. Chris, I made to believe that daddy was sitting there every day looking for that boy to come back. And he ran to him. Now that ran to him, I want you to keep that in your heart and your mind tonight before we get into the next segment. He ran to him, fell around his neck, embraced him in love. He did not say, you dirty, rotten, stinking scoundrel, you wasted it all. But he loved him. Dressed him. Had the calf killed getting ready to make merry. I'll tell you something. If you realize anything about this story at all, you must realize his daddy counted that boy as dead. Now, I don't know about you, but if I happened to walk over through there where my mom and daddy's buried and mom and daddy jumped up out of that grave, hello, there's going to be some shouting going on. There's going to be a feast that night for sure, right? And that's the way this daddy was looking at this. My son was dead. And I found him alive. He was lost. Now he's back home. No wonder the father was happy. You consider folks that's lost, and the Bible tells us this. We were dead in our sins and trespasses. So when the Lord looks at us, we are dead folks. And the dead's arose and they're back home. <laughs> that reminds me of what's coming next, right? The rapture. The rapture. Now here in verse 25 tonight, we see now his elder son was in the field. And as he came and drew nigh to the house, he heard music and dancing. Now this boy was out there doing what he had done every day, working for his daddy. Let me say right here before I go and forget it, this boy also was discontented. He might have been there and he might have been working, but he didn't have his heart in it. Are you with me? Say amen. Amen. Now he's come back to the house and, 
<laughs> I don't know about you. Let me just go back to my childhood. I worked in the fields. I know what that is. I know how tired you are. But there was something about, and hired you might experience this when you was young, and others might have. When I came to the house after a hard day's in the field, and some of my kinfolk was on the porch playing music, I knew we was fixing to have a time. You know, I didn't ask, what are you making music about? What are you so happy about? I was just glad they was making music and happy because I knew there's something fixing to be there, like good food and good fellowship and a good time. I, it didn't matter how tired you was then, you were looking forward to enjoying the music, the fellowship, and the food. Because I knew somebody special had to come, or they wouldn't have been out so early making music. And this boy come home and here's the party going on. He's stubborn. He's a Baptist, you know that, right? He's got to be a Baptist. He has got to be a full-blooded Baptist. In, <laughs> yeah, he's independent, all right. Independent Baptist. He stops when he hears and he gets near. Isn't it funny that a lot of church folk get awful near to worship but never worship. They hear the music, they hear the dancing, and they get almost to the point where they're willing to dance themselves and, and be merry. But that Baptist kicks in. Now, I, let me give you my version of what I just read. What are they doing making merry without me? How dare them have joy I ain't there. Does that fit anybody? He don't even know why they're happy. He don't know why they're, they're making music. He don't know why they're dancing. But he's already puffed up. Discontented. He don't think they should be doing anything without him. Hello, Mr. Center of Attention. I've got to be in the center. I mean, if anything's going on, it's got to revolve around me. Say amen, somebody. And the rest of us say, oh me. That, wasn't that what he was saying by, by staying out? <laughs> when people get to shouting and get excited at church, do you stay out or get in? You know, it wouldn't hurt your face to smile. It wouldn't break your arm to lift it up and wave it at God every once in a while. I mean, acknowledge that God at least is in the building and Mary is being made. And did you notice that he called a servant out instead of even going in to see for himself? <laughs> Isn't that a kind shame? This point ain't going to be very popular. You know there's a crowd staying home right now and they're asking everybody else what's going on. What's going on in there? What's going on down there? I, I hear they're making music and they're dancing. What's going on? How can they do that without me? I ain't there. 
So he calls that servant out and asks, what's going on? Did you notice that when the servant told him that his brother was found, he got angry. Angry. (laughs) We've heard this told in church a lot. Folks have run folks off. You know, there's some folks that's all they go to church for is to run other folks off. And they're happy when they run them off. And they're disgruntled and mad and angry when they go back to church and, and they've come back. Evidently, that boy didn't like his brother to start with. Maybe that's one reason the younger brother wanted to leave. Him and his brother didn't get along. We know about that, don't hurt. I got two brothers, one older, one younger. I fought both of them all my life. Well, until we got married anyway. But I never did hate him enough that if I found one of them that I wouldn't have rejoiced in finding him. If he'd been out in the world and been strung out on drugs or alcohol and he'd come home sober, I'd have been tickled. Not this guy. This guy, he's mad. He's angry. How dare him? I tell you what, I, this is, listen to me. This is what I believe that older brother was thinking. He's come back after half to my portion now. Because daddy ain't dead yet. He's come back to get half of what I've done worked out. He's been out and done blowed all he's got and he's come back for half of mine. Instead of rejoicing because his brother wasn't dead. Rejoicing because his brother wasn't a dope addict anymore, a drunk or a whoremonger. He was mad as an old wet hen. (laughs) Yeah. Stay with me. Verse 27, he said, Unto him thy brother is come. Thy father's killed the fatted calf because he hath received him. Safe and sound. Now, why would you be angry? And he was angry. Are you with me? And would not go in. (laughs) If he's in there, I'm not going. You know, I've heard that at church. Has anybody else ever heard that? If they're coming there, I ain't coming. Yeah. Can't you bury the hatchet? Yes, you can right in his shoulder blades. Hit him back of the head with it. He was angry. He wouldn't go in. Now I want you to notice the point I'm trying to get to here. Are you with me? Say Amen. Would not, he was angry and would not go in. Therefore came his father out and entreated him. Remember I told you, keep in the back of your mind, that his father ran to the youngest brother because he was dead. Now he's just come out unto the older brother. He didn't run out, didn't fall around his neck. 
didn't kiss him, didn't put a ring on him, didn't put no robe on him, no sandals on him, didn't kill a fatty calf for him. I believe that older brother was furious by now. He just walked out here. He didn't holler and praise the Lord I was alive. Daddy, you never kill no fatted calf for me. Now, I like what the book said. He said, son, I'm paraphrasing a little. Read it there. Look at it. All that's mine's yours. All you had to do, son, is say, let's have a party. You've been here this whole time. You saw the fatty calves. We got more than one calf. We could have made merry every other week if you wanted to. But you never asked for it. You weren't dead. You weren't lost. And you're mad because your brother showed up now. I had to come out to you. You don't even have the common courtesy to come in the house. You call a servant out. And he said your brother's alive and you didn't rejoice and you're mad about it. Daddy, you didn't kill me no fatty calf and let me make merry with my friends. All right, this is Hensleyology 101. I doubt he had any friends. Attitude like that, he couldn't have had many friends at all. Can't you see it? Every time he got around somebody, not his friend, somebody. I'm glad my brother's gone. That sorry no account thing. Woo! Come on, church people. You ought to sing, ain't got no rocks in my pocket. Anybody ever heard her sing that? Got no rocks in my pocket. I ain't going to ask you how many rocks you got in your pocket because they're all probably pointed at me tonight. Pastor appreciation, I'd like to appreciate him. I believe it's in his heart. I believe it's in his heart tonight, church. Somebody shake him down, make sure he ain't got no rocks on him. Can't you see that brother, though, matter in the wet hen? Now, listen, he's trying to chew his daddy out. He's trying to bring daddy down to his level. Daddy, you ought to be mad. You ought to be disgusted. You ought to be because he wasted what you gave him, daddy. Why ain't you chewing him out? Instead of rejoicing because he's alive. Church, I want to hip you tonight, and you put this in your little pipe and smoke it every day. I don't care how many times they come to the altar. If they come, you ought to rejoice. You ought to rejoice. Because it may take that time. They may get the goods that time. Did you get saved the first time you went to the altar? Did you get saved the second time you went to the altar? Or the third time? How many times did you go to that altar before you really got a hold of it? Well, I can't tell you in number, but I can tell you in years. I was 32 year old before I got a hold of it. Hello? I can't tell you how many times I went to the altar and cried and God wanted to save me. 
but I didn't get saved till I was 32. This boy was mad. Daddy had rejoiced. Daddy's making a party. He didn't do nothing for me. I've worked like a dog. I'm going to kill some of you church folk. Daddy, I've done everything. I've done, I've run the sound equipment. I, I put up all the cameras. Daddy, I vacuumed the floor. I've seen the commodes. And Daddy, you ain't never, ever made a party. Why, Daddy? And this no account comes in here and you go to making a party. Did you notice he made sure his daddy understood he wasted all you gave him? He not only went so far as just to say that, but he said on harlots. He'd been hoarding around, daddy. Daddy, there'll probably be 25 young'uns come down the road next year saying, he my daddy, he my daddy. See, this boy was referring to Daddy, he's a scoundrel. He's no good. Never once did he say, thank God my brother's alive. Thank God he's back home. Let me me ask all of us a question. Look at me, church. Everybody in here, look at me. Is there somebody in your heart, in your life, that if they walked in this church this night and went down here and repented, and got up and said, church, forgive me. Would you forgive them? Let me tell you one that I know personally. Mickey Poor. How many here know Mickey Poor? This man killed Mickey's sister. Shot her dead. He went to prison. I heard Mickey Poor pray right here for that man. God save him. God save his soul in prison. Now I'll tell you something. You shoot and kill one of my kinfolk, that's going to be hard for me to pray for you to get saved. I might pray God kill you, mash you, squash you like a bug, but it'd be hard for me to pray God save him. I said, Mickey, what if God saves him and he gets out and he walks in this church? He said, I'll shout. I said, Mickey, he killed your sister. He said, I know he did. But he still got a soul. This boy was blood brothers and did not have the father's love in him either. If he'd had the father's love, he'd have fell around that boy's neck too. My brother, he's alive, he's alive. I had supper with my brother Saturday. He's going to Mexico in two weeks. Be gone a month. Then he's coming back and staying a month and he'll be gone because that's where he's going to live. Monterey, Mexico. That's killing my heart just knowing he's going to be that far away from me and I can't squeeze and hug him. Now I'll tell you, I busted his mouth more times. Oh, Yes. Me and him fought like two banshee Indians. But I want to tell you, he's my brother. I love him. And I would do anything in my power to help him. Because he's my brother. 
I've never ever hated my brothers. I wanted to kill them. But I didn't hate them. I was going to kill them with love. But this boy must have hated his brother to the point he didn't even acknowledge that he was safe, he was sound. Daddy said, he's home, safe and sound. The, the servant said, he's safe, he's sound. This boy was mad. Church folk, that person that you've got animosity and hatred towards, come in and sit down beside you tonight. I wish you could have heard Scott Campbell down there at Nyland's Chapel Free Will Baptist Church last week. Or week four last. How many remember Scott giving part of his testimony here? The man that had abused him and his brother and his sister and sent him off when he was five year old on a bus. You remember that? Well, Scott made a vow to himself that he'd kill that man if he ever got him in his sights. Kill him. And I would say justly so for what that man put him through and his brother. He, he told down there the other night that that man played a game with him and his brother and whoever lost got beat. And said his brother would let him win so he wouldn't beat him. And all of that was built up in him. And he said, I told my wife when we got married, said, if I ever see him, I'm going to kill him. I'm going to kill him. And he said his two babies sitting in high chairs in McDonald's. And he said that man walked in. He said, every bit of anger, everything that he had ever done flooded my soul. And said, Corey went to say, please, Scott, don't. Don't kill him, Scott. Please don't. Scott said, I done snapped. He said, I didn't hear her. I didn't even acknowledge nobody was around. Said, that man went to the drink machine. He said, I had a big buck knife, and I was going to go go over and get it. Slowly. Said, I went over and stood beside the man. And he said, by that time I was so mad and so angry and so tore up inside that I began to cry. And said, that man looked at me and said, son, are you all right? And he said, that made me the more furious. That sorry piece of trash asked me, am I all right? And he treated me like that when I was a baby. He said, I done had the knife. I was going to gut him. And he said, that man said, son, are you sure you're all right? And he said, I was so mad, I went back over and I sat down with the knife in my hand. He said, I'm going to kill him. And said, that guy come over at my table and looked at me and said, son, is there anything I can do to help you? And he said, I looked up and it was the wrong man. He said, anger made me see the man I wanted to see. said, yes, he his resembled him from behind, but said his face 
He said, if that man had not come over and looked at me face to face, he said, I'd have probably killed an innocent man. I said all that in this story that we're talking about. I believe that oldest brother was mad enough to kill his brother. Daddy, you, you let him waste everything that you gave him. And you're still glad he's back? Tanya, you can kill me out of church, but I'm going to use you. She sat in this church forever till her daddy ratted her out that she could sing. She wasted it. So what was the difference in Tanya and this younger man? She was wasting the talent God gave her. Others said in this church over the years had wasted their talents that God gave them. One Wednesday night, Melanie Hensley sitting right there came down the aisle with a tape in her hand. I just thought she wanted me to play it. She said, no, I'm going to sing. She sat in this church five years. I never even heard her sing in the choir. Got up there and sung like an angel. And I thought, what a waste. Even though this boy took all he had and wasted it on righteous living, what's the difference in sitting in the house of God with it and wasted it? No doubt, that older brother wasted a lot of stuff. You know what I thought when I began to really look at this scripture to preach it? He never once, listen to me, had enough joy in his own heart to even ask the father for a fatty calf. Now I'll tell you something, when I'm happy and you got cake, I'm going to ask you for a piece of cake. Amen. I mean, if I come to your house and I smell that and we're happy, I say, hey, you got some coffee and cake? The, the calf was there. He knew it was being fattened. He knew daddy had the robe. He knew daddy had the ring. He knew daddy had the shoes. And he knew that daddy had more of them. But he had never asked for them. You know what I'd say? Boy, wasn't he a sourpuss. Wouldn't you like to sit beside him in church? <laughs> Wouldn't you like this been on the same pew with him week after week, month after month? Listen to me. They both were looking for the boy to come, but for two different reasons. He thought his brother would come back dead, and the daddy already had him dead, and he came back alive. Now, which would make you happier? I was hoping he'd die out there. You ever wish that on anybody? Don't lie. Don't lie. It don't help to lie on top of wanting to kill him. You ever prayed, God, just kill him? Please, God, save me the trouble. Kill him. They ain't worth nothing, God. Kill him. And then somebody calls you and said, you know so-and-so died or got killed. Oh, really? Bless his heart. <laughs> Bless his heart. He was such a good feller. I'm going up to the funeral, you know. You're going up there to gloat. 
You're not going up there with joy. You're not going up there for the family. You're going up there to look down that casket and say, Hey, you dead. Two brothers I know very well. One of them was nothing but a drunk. He knew he was a drunk. He'd never tell you he wasn't a drunk. But he was the best old boy you ever was around. Accommodating, kind, gentle. And I loved him. I really did. I loved this old man. And his brother prayed all the time that he'd die. They lived side by side each other. I mean, one brother had never done nothing to the other brother that I knew of ever. I never forget the one brother that I liked so good told the other brother one day I'll turn the yard. He said, I'll live forever or outlive you. Now listen to the story. This is true right over here at Nebo. The drunk. The guy hit him in the head with a pipe. If you'd been a normal man, he'd have killed him graveyard dead. You could lay your arm where it caved his skull in. And he survived. He had to go to a nursing home. He remembered me and he remembered Arnold Presnell. Other than that, he didn't know much of nobody. And he had escape every once in a while and go back to his house. We loved the old boy. We'd take care of him. I'll never forget the brother actually laughed when he got his brains busted out. Thought, I'm rid of him. No more him. His brother died. Three days later, he died. Right over here at Nebo. And it come back to my mind what he said, I'll live forever or outlive you. Ain't that a shame that two brothers have that feelings one another? What what kind of feelings do you have in here tonight? What if that one that you don't like came in and sat down tonight? What if that one that's done you wrong come in and sat down tonight? What kind of haughty spirit would you have? Oh, it's quiet in here tonight. Hey, this is a tough subject to preach. You know why? Because I'm preaching it to me as well as you. I'm letting it sink just a minute. You think I haven't had to preach to people that wronged me severely? Severely? I'm talking thousands of dollars that I couldn't afford? You think I haven't preached to people that I fist fought? We tried to kill each other? You think I, I didn't preach to them the same way I'm preaching to you tonight? I had to. I had to preach to them with love. I had to preach to them with conviction. This brother hated his brother so much that he would not even go in the house where his brother was. 
He was mad because he's having a party and he didn't care to tell everybody. He done bowed up. And his daddy had to go out to him and say, Son, your brother was dead. We found him alive. He was lost and we found him. Ain't that a hard subject tonight, church, to, for me to have to preach to you? Where's your feeling? Where's your heart? Where's your mind? Now listen. I'm going to close for tonight. Now listen to me carefully. If that person that you dislike so much came in and sat down and somebody over here needed to be saved, your spirit might hinder that one from being saved. Because you're sitting here in your mind and you're everything but choking them, cussing them, and really in your heart you're cussing them. Really in your heart you're choking them. Really in your heart you want to kill them. And this one over here needs to be saved or that one over yonder needs to come back because he's backslid in your spirit. Is hindering both of those. Let me ask you something. What about the scripture in the Bible, Brother Hired, that says, if you don't forgive, I can't forgive you. Not only that, he said, neither will I forgive you. Now, I want to say something tonight. To all of us, this, this is a message that needs to be preached before revival comes because if we can't lay aside every weight that so easily besets us, every weight, no matter how little or how big, we'll never have revival. We'll never have a soul saved. Bobby Thompson, the eagle preacher, his daddy was preaching revival. Bobby said that his daddy had preached hard for three or four nights. Brother Hired said there wasn't an amen, said there wasn't nobody used the altar, said there wasn't nobody raised their hands, said there wasn't nobody shouted, nobody done nothing. And it's either the fourth or fifth night of the revival. An old man finally stood up and said, Brother Thompson, you might as well shut your mouth and sit down. There ain't been a soul saved in this church in 25 years. And there won't be a soul saved in this church until me and that sorry rascal over there settle it. And said, I'm willing if he'll come meet me in the and we'll settle it. So that old man got up and come and they both went to the altar. Said they had 87 rededications. And if I remember right, it was over 130 some souls saved the next two nights of revival. You know why? Two brothers got together and repented and came under one mind, one accord. Listen, I know they wronged you. That boy was wrong to waste his daddy's stuff, that boy was wrong to be in the hog pen. That boy was wrong, wrong, wrong. But two wrongs ain't never made a right. Never has, never will. Something you need to settle. Maybe somebody been wanting to kill me. 
Maybe somebody wants to take a ball bat to my head. I don't know. I'm just asking tonight. I like what they said one time on television. I never had thought. There ain't a whole lot comes across TV worth five cents, but this was worth five cents. You don't forgive them for them. For you. As long as you don't forgive them, they have the control. I know it's hard. (laughs) How do you know? God, help me. I had to preach to a man that owed me $25,000 cash he had stole out of my pocket. Literally. Had to preach to him. Shake his hand. Hug his neck. I wanted to pop his head like a pimple. But I said, God, I ain't got no business preaching if I can't forgive him. Because, God, I've done you worse than that. And you loved me and forgave me. I treated you worse than that, God. And you went to the cross and died for me anyway. You want real revival. You want real peace of mind in your soul. Forgive them for yourself. I wonder what had happened if that brother had shouted. My brother's alive and run in that house. What a party that would have been. But instead we had a funeral outside and a party inside. Are you having a funeral or a party tonight? Let us stand. Every head bowed and every eye closed. And I'm asking you to come tonight and bow on this altar. Some are making their way. I know they wronged you. I know they did. I know they don't deserve mercy and grace, but neither did I. And if it's settled in your heart, that's well and good. But this brother proved what was in his heart. He proved it right quick. He wasn't happy that his brother came back. He wasn't happy that his brother was alive. He wasn't happy that the daddy had made Mary and killed the calf and just made a big to-do of it. He wasn't happy with that at all. Don't let them drag you down to their level. Father, I thank you for the privilege to stand here tonight. I thank you for these words, God, that helped me, Lord, to forgive. I may never be able to forget it in my mind, God, but I've forgiven completely. I know, God, that you're the only one that can correct the saved. I'm glad, I'm so glad, God, they're still alive to be saved. I don't want them to go to hell. I don't want nobody to go to hell, Father. I want them to be saved, sanctified, and have to testify, God, how wrong they've done, folks. And only you can do that through salvation. So please, I pray tonight, God, hear the cries of your people here. We need revival, true revival, Lord.
So give it to us, we pray in Jesus' name. Through our repented hearts tonight, settle it in our souls. For thy glory we've asked it. Thank you, Jesus.